Storymakers. I'm Angie Powers. I'm Elizabeth Stark. And, and this, this is Storymakers Show. A Stark Powers production. Yeah. Thank you again to all the listeners who have stuck with us through this last <coughs> year of hiatus. <laughs> Not all year. Yeah. Really? No. Yeah. Close. All right. But we're back and we're back because of you. So thank you. Let's start with what are you working on? How's this year been for you, Ange? It's been great in a lot of different ways and challenging in others. What did you do? You filmed a film? Well, I think when last we spoke with our friends, I had in fact finished that. Right. And and Ben had been working on the editing. Yay, Ben! And now uh, I am working with the, another editor who is taking another pass. Uh, ben did a spectacular job. Uh, I just needed a kind of a new set of eyes to kind of help me get it to the next space. And Jean was amazing and able to offer that. So thank you, Jean. And that's what I'm working on. That is fabulous. What are you working on? Well, as you know, we're going to dive into what I'm working on in response to a listener's query. But uh, so I will just say in brief that I am doing querying. And that I am also in that kind of funny state where I'm figuring out what I'm going to work on next. Mm. And um, that's a whole topic in and of itself. Because when I was deep in the writing of this last novel, I was so thrilled with my daily writing, with my dream time, you know, waking up and writing without engaging with words in other ways and, you know, all that kind of free-flowing early writing and then writing scenes and all of that. And I just thought... I am and can and want to be one of those people who just writes every day and who finishes the, you know, one novel and rolls the next piece of paper into the typewriter and keeps going, right? Yeah. <laughs> and yet instead, there's, you know, sending it, waiting, getting feedback, freaking out, doing this, doing that, and it's just... I like that freaking out is part of Freaking the... out is definitely part, as we will discuss. And it, and it kind of impacts the flow, the creative flow. So, uh, so let's see if we can touch on that. All right. Pick your brain, coach. Um, the topic for today's uh, show, in addition to why I'm querying, is um, the, that a student of ours who's a published author and just wonderful, um, and she wrote a while ago because she'd gotten a rejection um, for a novel and she said, I'm feeling pretty discouraged. She'd been going, and, and interestingly, she'd been talking about kind of struggling with the writing and then getting back into, okay, just what happens next and exploring and getting back on track with writing and then getting a rejection, right? So it's just like those two things of like, how do you function as a creative person and then also get your work out into the world and not let those two things stop each other? So that's kind of one big topic, but that's not her exact question. Um, but anyway, she says, um, I mean, I'm going to skip ahead, but we know that, you know, there are all the voices that come up and the fears and, um, you know, am I dedicated enough? Am I the right age? Am I, do I even have any talent? Right. All these things that sound familiar from the inside of our own brains. Other people are getting book deals, film deals, parking spaces. Um, and she says, I know eventually I'll dry my tears and try to believe all of the positive stuff people tell me, but right now I feel like crap. Maybe you can address rejection. And so I thought that kind of dovetailed nicely with what I'm working on. Mm -hmm. Shall I continue? 
Yes. All right. So I've been super public about my process of uh, kind of crawling back out into the public after my long ago first novel and all the ups and downs of that publication. And... Uh, and then, you know, got this big, exciting agent, went out with my with my last novel and didn't sell. And she wouldn't go out to kind of smaller than a certain level. And that's probably because it's probably not worth her time. And definitely there's no money in it. Right. Um, so for me, maybe a smaller press might be wonderful and build my career. And but for her, it wasn't going to be worthwhile. And it might set me up for smaller sales and things like that. So anyway, so there's that whole kind of complicated terrain. But what she said to me was, write your next novel, and then we'll go up, we'll probably sell this last one after we sell the next one. And I got, I was like, okay. And of course, it took me years. I mean, that was 2013 that we were, I think that was that, that novel, last novel went out. And, um, and then... I wrote another novel and it just took a while and she and then a year and a half ago she wasn't too sure about it. She loved the writing, she loved the marriage, you know, between the characters, the this and that. But, you know, she didn't buy this and she didn't think this was a big enough reveal and whatever. So I dove back in as you know. Um I do know. You were like the boy that I was like climbing on and you were drowning. Yeah. <laughs> and um and that's been something I've been rethinking, the whole sort of like, how much was I authentic to my own vision and how much did I veer away from it? And one of the things I did find was that I couldn't veer away, even as much as maybe parts of me were willing, that I was always, I, there were certain things I couldn't do, even if they made sense or seemed stronger, if they didn't kind of cohere to some other thing that made sense to me alone. Um, so anyway... I finally, you know, I did, so I've done like just sort of just so many iterations of this novel and I finally sent it off to her and she still was, you know, mixed about it. She still loved this and that and my writing. Um, and, and actually, I mean, I will say the one, the sort of probably biggest thing I've gotten out of my time with her is she sort of said, don't work on the writing. Like your writing's great. Don't work on the writing. And I could spend, I could have spent the whole, you know, year and a half working on a sentence, right? And, and I just it made me a faster writer to know that, you know, that wasn't the focus. Um, but we have parted ways because, uh, you know, we're not, we're not going to force this book to be something, you know, to be both what she wants and what I want. And I don't think we can figure it out together. You know, you know, I'm sorry. <laughs> so here's the thing. Like it definitely is disappointing in that you want to power forward um, but it's, it's been so relieving and exciting to kind of move to the next level. I almost think that sounds like hard to believe, like I, like false positive, like a false positive, <laughs> but I'm actually, and I don't resent her. Like if I do have these questions about my own willingness, like I said, to veer, but I think that she, um, what she really, you know, when you think about who we are as people and we love books, we recommend them to people you know, you can't really recommend a book you don't love, right? You can't say, so when you network, you, you, you know, people know who you are and what your sensibility is. And you can say to them, like, I know you and you're going to, and I love this book and you're going to love it. And, and, and you can't do that if, if you don't. Right. But she, she recommended other agents for me. And I don't, and I think sincerely, like, she's like, there, there is going to be 
another person who does love this book who can go to their network and say, I love this book. You're, I know you're going to love this book, right? And we all know books that we love that someone else couldn't get into or vice versa, right? You've got to read this. And it's like, oh my God, I can't get into it. So I'm in the process of querying agents again. And it's the only, the most embarrassing part is just being super public about it. Like I would so much rather just tick, tick, tick. And then, you know, a year later, like I have a book coming out, right? But, um, but I'm teaching and I'm coaching other people and I'm watching my successful students collect rejections, come to class week after week. I got more rejections like, and we always applaud them because that's all you can do, right? All you have control over is, is getting those rejections. And then the people who get the most rejections come in from time to time with an acceptance and that's, and then they, and more rejections, right? Like those are the people who are getting the acceptances are the ones who are getting the rejections. So it's my turn to collect rejections and that's going to be my job. And, and I'm going to hopefully once I get through this piece, also be doing that with short pieces and just try to try to put my money where my mouth is. Thoughts. Well, great. <laughs> You're like, one, even if you were my, just like a friend of mine, I wouldn't know what to say, but then like, I don't even know what to say as like somebody, like, right? Like, you're just like, what am I supposed to do? Well, I think that two things, a little more coffee, a little more coffee is definitely in order. Although there's a part of me that's thinking maybe a beer, <laughs> but beyond that, I have to say like, um, I appreciate your willingness to, to have these conversations in public because I think it is very challenging and it's the number one thing like shame prevents people from doing so many things including you know sending things back out and what this puts me in mind of is a conversation I had with uh, a friend of mine in my writing group who talked about resubmitting screenplays to the same contest uh you know, multiple years in a row. And I was like, you can't do that. That's not okay. But the truth is the way the system works is it's statistically not likely that the people who read it one year will be the same people who read it again the following year. So, or they'll be like, so I, I love this screenplay. It reminds me of something, a dream I had. I don't know, but it feels very familiar in a way that I love. <laughs> right. <laughs> and they'll be like, Which this. wasn't to say that... You know, she was advocating just continually sending the same well, is unchanged. She, them? she has revised yeah. them, and she has gotten, I, th I think, really great success with her work in contests. And um, I was like, ah, oh, I didn't know you could do that. So I think when you were talking about rejection, I think part of it is that piece where. Uh, you don't really understand how the system works, so you don't really understand how to participate in it to a certain extent. Well, yeah, I was thinking in some ways, like when you're dating and you're young, and I will say I haven't really gotten to like middle age dating because I'm just dating you, but, um, <laughs> and we're dating ourselves. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, you, there is, it's, it's the thing of like, how personally do you take someone not liking you mm -hmm. and how much do you imagine you can change? Well, I, I would actually even go further and say, I don't think rejection in these contexts are the same thing as people not liking you, right? It's not even that. Someone could actually, I think, really enjoy something that you create 
but it doesn't fit the project they're they're trying to do. Right. Or they so. don't know how to sell it or they've just sold something like it. I mean, there's so many. The, yeah. the, the thing about is that I now have friends who are closer to the other side of the industry and hearing from them and and really hearing what it's like and how much it is a kind of can I sell this, right? Like can I sell this this widget? I mean, of course there are people who love books and everything, but there is a business side to it. Mm-hmm. And it has to kind of mesh with the personal preference side to it. It's just it's a lot. It's a lot. The other, but I wanted to talk a little bit about the revision piece because um, what you were saying about your the person in your writing group and resubmission reminded me of the thing Matt Bird talks about with the help, which is she. I think she submitted it to seventy nine agents um, before it was accepted. But he says you know the idea that that first agent is like kicking him or herself. You know, I should have taken it and sold it and had this huge bestseller. Um, but in fact, and, and the, it's her name Kathleen Stockett. Anyway, uh, it'll be in the show notes. Uh, she, um, you know, she, she acknowledged, she revised it, you know, in between bouts. And so the book that the 79th agent saw was probably much stronger than the book the first agent saw. So that, so there's that piece of like using and, you know, using submission to, Kind of, and I and, and we interviewed Lee Page as one of our very first podcasts, who's also a student of mine, and she she does that, you know, sends out an essay, gets stuff back, you know, she can't bear to look at it anymore when she sends it out, but if she gets it back, she can revise it and send it out again. So I kind of love that that piece and acknowledging that the thing that the first agent got might not have been bestseller material. Well, there's that, and then there's another piece which I think is. When you have a sense of what it is you're trying to do, how you know something's done. Novels are huge projects. They are not small projects. So, and there are so many moving pieces to them. So the idea that, you know, the difference between a novel and an essay, mm-hmm. I can spend whatever amount of time on an essay, but it's statistically not going to be... <laughs> it's Well, it's a more... Finite the same, thing. even if it's a very long essay, <laughs> it's just not going to be the same as a you know four hundred page book, three hundred page book, and so finding those ways to keep getting traction while you're moving forward, and a lot of times people do go through their work and they'll find things that could stand on their own as a shorter piece that are excerpts from their longer work to get their longer work out into the world. And as into those conversations, and then to also, in some ways, I think prime people for the book when it does come. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of stories about people who publish an excerpt or publish a short story and are found by agents. That right. Way. And I have, I have, and I know at least a couple of people pop into mind right now who write short stories in between. You know, while their agents are sending novels out or whatever, and um, and that's just a way to kind of take a break and do something different. But also then those are getting published and then, and even if it's like a little online publication or whatever, Mm -hmm. it feels good. Like, Oh yeah, this is a conversation I'm having with the world. Yeah. And I, I like, um, Todd Henry's framing of any given project being one in a body of work rather than being Todd Henry. He does, I guess it was the accidental creative a while ago and now he does something else. Um, He'll be in the show notes. He'll be in the show notes, too. But just that notion of you're doing something more. So I think very often people can get stuck in that drive to make it perfect so it won't be rejected. 
And I think that we can get stuck in holding off for so long. Uh, I almost think that anybody who cares at all about their work is probably going to hold on to it too long. Well, I mean, this is the other piece for me in this story is that I had sort of maybe six really strong professional readers who loved the book that my agent didn't love a year and a half ago. And that it's interesting to me that I didn't seek at that point to see if there was some other agent who might be in more alignment with those six readers. Um, And that now I very much wanted to hugely revise the book before I sent it out again. And in fact, as you know, I came up with kind of a couple of significant things and and one that I still think is probably um a, a I don't know if it's a, tw- a tweak or a, a, an overhaul but that would would improve it the arc um and it's taken like everything in me to just get to a place where the me that is trying to move forward professionally is louder than the me who wants to perfect the work mm. and I actually had a a really brilliant editor friend say to me you know, there, there's only like one other, one person in the world that she would say, you know, how am I going to say this? So normally she and I both tell our, our students or clients, like you, you have to make it the best book you can make it before you send it out into the world. Because there's that other impulse to send the first thing out just because you're like, I wrote this thing, I created it, I'm so excited about it and like send it out. And it's like not really ready for the world, but you're just excited about it. Um, and so there's, you know, so you have to kind of fight against some people have that impulse. I just, I wonder, I hear that all the time and I can't think of a single person I know who would do that. Well, okay. So 22 year old me applying for grad school, um, I sent out, I looked at the work I had created, which wasn't enormous, but like, you know, the different short stories and stuff. And I was just so much more excited about the ones I had just written than the ones I had workshopped and and whatever. So I sent out like early draft stuff mm-hmm. because, you know, I was growing in leaps and bounds in, in one way, but in another way, um, spell check wasn't one of them. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I wasn't that I did. I did spell check it. But what I mean is I've always sort of thought, well, you know, <laughs> you know, I got waitlisted at Iowa and maybe I would have gotten in if I'd sent like that workshopped story, <laughs> but you don't even know. Yeah, and I, mean, I think hated it. I just honestly think I see far more people holding on and holding back than I do people prematurely sending out stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, as you mentioned, part of the strategy really is to send something out. And if you get the kind of feedback that gives you more information about why someone didn't choose it, you can also continue to improve it. Right. So I'm going to say, I'm going to say down with that advice, down with that advice forever and ever, because I just feel like, you know, if you are over 30, don't use that advice. If you're (laughs) under 30, (laughs) maybe try it on. I really have to say, if you're, if you're the, yeah, I mean, it just depends on, it's, anyway. I realize that I often have a hard time submitting things for a variety of reasons, and I, and it may be that for someone like me, I might have to get practice submitting things by turning in things that I know will be rejected, <laughs> in part to practice just getting it out there. Right. And so I, I'm going to continue on with that, down <sighs> with that, make it the best it can possibly be, because as we've also noticed, how do you know that? 
Right. Well, and that's why, <laughs> and, and that's what, you know, my, my coach friend Kendra kept saying, how, how do you, Elizabeth, know when a book is done? How do you know when a book is done? And finally, what it really boiled down to, I mean, and this was, this took just so long and finally we had to sort of work it out together. What it took, came down to was the deadline has arrived. Mm-hmm. And, and I think it. for that, I think that's true <laughs> for most people. And if you're starting out, you don't have a deadline. We right, but I mean, and then I, I, I don't have a deadline either. But I, but now I create a deadline, and when I fail to create a deadline, I will never finish a book. The only way I will finish an iteration is to say it, it has to be by this, and then I get going so fast. Then, really, the advice needs to change from make it the best book you can before you send it out, into. Find the best group of people to hold you accountable for deadlines you set and set a good deadline. And yeah. that is actually probably a more powerful set of advice than make it as good right. as you can. And, and then, you know, learn in public. Yeah. And, and learn by sending it out. And we're also in a world where, I mean, finally I came to the point where I thought, you know, I'm not going to actually alienate an agent who sees this book. This book shows that I can write. This book has a lot that's gripping about it. Even if somebody is like, I don't want to represent it or it doesn't feel whatever, you know, you haven't yet done that one thing that will make it perfect. Um, that is not, I, that doesn't mean I can't go back to that person mm -hmm. with a different book or even a different iteration, right? So it doesn't alienate people to reach out to them. Mm -hmm. And there are a lot of amazing, <laughs> amazing agents out there. Mm -hmm. And editors. So, I mean, this is, you know, these are the people we, who are bringing us the books we love. Right. So. Yeah. So, uh, shall, have we covered rejection? Do I feel like, do we feel like we've answered her question? One is, so let's, so one is about rejection is seek it out. Mm -hmm. And, um, yes, you, you can lick your wounds a bit, right? Well, that's actually one of the, the main sort of advice things I've heard about anxiety attacks is uh, one of the things that causes them to continue is the fighting it. Mm -hmm. So rather than trying to fight an anxiety attack, you kind of reverse it and say, all right, crazy self, bring it on and, and encourage your anxiety to do the worst and then give it a time limit. <laughs> no, it's another deadline, <laughs> right? It's so, all about deadlines. Yes. So anyway, so I think, you know, instead of fearing rejection, seek rejection. Because they talk about the tough skin you need. And it's like, well, how do you build that tough skin? You pummel it with rejection for a while and then you go, okay. Or a less challenging approach might just no be pummeling. reframing what those letters mean. Well, I mean, one is that the, this is what we do. It's like it's, it's a step on your path to success. Mm -hmm. And every author we love... And every Pulitzer Prize winning author and every bestseller and every small press, but look at this amazing book, whatever. They all got rejections. And I think we've talked about this before, but something like, uh, you know, for sales, they often have this ratio. So it takes 25 no's to get to one yes. And I think you can use that same ratio for sending your work out. So if you have a feeling like, oh my gosh, I got to hack through 25 no's, but getting through those 25 no's... Because we always hear about those people, oh my gosh, they sent it to 69 agents or they sent it to, you know, did these things. Um, but they were kind of the extreme. You don't often hear, and that's the average number of times people send out. So if you're like, okay, great, I, I know I have to hack away at 25 
real solid submissions to get to my first acceptance, you are much more likely to view those rejections differently because it really is really one more step towards where you're trying to go. Right, right. Yeah, and and getting to, and just, yeah, being out in the world. And also the other thing about this, for me, this, you know, this parting of ways with my agent was that the, that the book finally came back to me, you know, in, in a way that it hadn't been with me for a year and a half where where it was mine to decide what to do with. And um, I think, you know, I I just, it got to be the kind of book I love again, instead of trying to be a, the kind of book that maybe more people would love or something. Mm-hmm. And um, and I love, you know, I love getting to do that. Like this is, this is the pleasure is, is writing the kind of book. Toni Morrison has a thing, like if there's a book you want to read and it doesn't exist, then you have to write it. And that's... Or like a YouTube video. <laughs> there's a YouTube video that hasn't already been made that you want to see. If there's a cute kitten I would video start that with... you haven't seen anywhere, you, you have to make it. Right. You get yourself that kitten. The, yeah. Uh, although I, I guess I might also say at this point you might need to just change your search words. But... Um, <laughs> Yeah, what Toni Morrison meant to say was if there's a novel out there you can't find, change your search words. <laughs> you don't need beer. I do. I do. <laughs> so, um, okay, so rejection. Rejection. Okay, we've been through we've rejection. Done it. Rejection. Rejection. <laughs> you can handle it. Keep Although, going. We would encourage you not to reject us based on this conversation. <laughs> In fact, Give us a review. Tell us your real thoughts, your real positive thoughts. Um, last piece, though, is how about is that kind of the toggling between your creator and that person who's going out and sending the work out and getting the nose. How do you how do you because what you, you, you have to also come back and write the next day, right? Write the next piece. Well, for me, honestly, the thing that I come back to is, is a couple of things. And one is how do you know when your project's ready to go out so that you can switch focus? How do you have that clear sense? And then I really have no enthusiasm or excitement around the actual process of submitting, that identifying places to send it and that identifying a possible agents or any of that stuff. Like that just doesn't actually excite me. It doesn't draw me. It doesn't make me feel good or anything <laughs> like that. And not because I'm afraid of the rejection, but because I hate details. So I think one of the things that I'm actually going to suggest, if you have friends out there who are also writers, also looking to get stuff out into the world, I would say find someone you can be a, an assistant for <laughs> and send their stuff out and someone that can be an assistant for you. And the benefit of that is actually that you are somewhat buffered by re- from the rejections mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because you won't actually know when the rejections come in unless you go poking around. I, that's really fun. It's kind of a fun <laughs> idea, right? I mean, we also did a, a book writing world class about submission where we actually got together. I mean, I would just kind of coach people and look at queries and whatever, but people had to do re- market research write the queries, write the whatever, and then and get the pieces ready. And then actually while we were together for that hour, lunchtime hour or whatever, actually send it, right? Because there's sometimes there's just something about mm. being with other people. Absolutely. So maybe I'll we'll do another one of those. Yeah. But I'm, I'm wondering, can I hire someone to go to that for me? 
<laughs> or just switch DNA. <laughs> so um, we'd love to hear your thoughts about rejection and any other topics you want us to address in this caffeinated slash potentially alcohol-fueled series of musings. Um, we always end, and sometimes we will have guests coming up, but um, we always end with Steal This. Uh, T.S. Eliot said, amateur poets borrow, professional poets steal. And taking from that stolen notion, we ask ourselves and anyone else we're conversing with to um, think about the your ramblings, your musings, your wanderings, what you've come across this last bit that you might want to take and make your own. Ange? Well, this month, I'm thinking about antidepressants and how I'd like to take those <laughs> and make them my own. Um, but beyond those, I've been... Uh, looking at a bunch of different financial books and processes and workflows and systems. And, um, you know, I think the truth is I have way too many things going on and sometimes I don't actually realize it. Mm. So for this month or week or whatever I'm going to do until next we meet, um, I'm really focusing on kind of, Grabbing not those like big three things for the day or whatever they're called, you know, the what are they called? There's like priorities. No, no. <laughs> There's this whole thing where it's like, you know, anyway, what I really want to do is kind of just look at areas of my life in a much simpler way and make sure that there's kind of room for them. So we've put up our Kanban. We, we might explain what that is. So a Kanban like a board is basically yeah. a way of tracking uh, your projects that you're working on collectively. Uh, but Charmingly, the projects are called stories in this system. Well, that's from Agile. Who but could anyway. resist that? Um, so anyway, the idea being more that I need to kind of declutter my commitments. So, so challenging, especially yeah. if you're somebody who doesn't want to be doing the same thing over and over again. So you don't want to be right. just sticking to these three things for the year. It's like you want to get to churn them over, but not... All at once, maybe. Like, maybe you need a slightly longer... Well, and, you know, I think the truth is I am a person who's attracted to fires. Mm. And so I get a lot of... Um, Not literal ones. Universe. No! Thank you, universe. That was part of this year. <sighs> yes. No, but in into those, oh my gosh, here's the thing to panic about. And so that draws my attention too much. And so I've noticed that when I try to do, like, a annual plan... It's very hard for me to translate it into clear actions on a day to day basis because there are often things that are coming up that right. are not associated with those large plans but do need to be handled. Uh, and if not right now, then there'll be a problem. So not try now. And when? <laughs> right. So. Oh, man. So yeah, well I really what are you I look forward to hearing more about how that unfolds. Um, so I, um, if I can find it, um, I I wrote down this down in Evernote because um, I was listening to Charles Duhigg who did the productivity mm -hmm. book, the first the habits and then a productivity book, which I'm now listening to as an audiobook. Um, he also has a great podcast. Oh, does um, he? Called. Oh God, I can't remember, but it'll be in the show notes. It's a new. It's through the New York Times, and it's. We're changing the title of this podcast to <laughs> "It'll Be in the Show Notes," <laughs> um, 
we're just getting started again, you know, and we, we ha we're getting started with a deadline, not with perfection. Um, but in any case, uh, he, so the, this was, this was not his podcast, but somebody being interviewed, he, he being interviewed on someone else's podcast, uh, that podcast called, was, is called Simplicity. Uh, it'll be on the show notes. <laughs> Do and he says he talk, he's talking about creativity on demand and he says there are methods there are formulas for things like setting goals or innovation or decision making that productive people know and what those formulas are isn't something like set a timer right it's something like sit down and figure out how to think a little bit differently and in doing so you will see opportunities that other people might not so this idea is that. It's not, you know, Pomodoro, which is a great technique or whatever, but it's actually thinking differently, like p putting together two ideas in a new way or whatever. Strategy versus tactics. Yeah. Yeah. And so I thought, especially as a creative person, you know, it can feel so, so exciting to like do a Pomodoro. And that, I love those kinds of techniques. <laughs> <laughs> but. <laughs> so I sat down. Turned on the timer and I just <laughs> hey, sat hey, there for 25 minutes and I said, I completed a Pomodoro. Well, if I sat there writing. Anyway, so I liked that quote from Duhigg. It's, it's sit, something like sit down and figure out how to think a little bit differently. And in doing so, you'll see opportunities that other people might not. And sometimes that thinking a little differently is slowing down, is going into dream space, is walking without listening to something, is, you know, is... Lying down. <laughs> my my dad used to quote somebody saying, "I who said I do my best thinking lying awake in the afternoon." Right. So, uh, you can find us at storymakersshow.com and on anywhere that podcasts are found. I don't know if that's true at all. Well, definitely iTunes and Stitcher. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not. Like definitely those. Those too. And Lena, if there's another one that you'd like. To see us there, let us know. Or if we show up somewhere and you're like, dude, I saw you here, that would be good. Yeah, let us know if you find us wandering somewhere. Our email will be in the show notes.